You're listening to The Recap by Drawing Capital, the best place to dissect the week's key events in financial markets and technology. The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute an offer, solicitation, or recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any security. Opinions, estimates, and projections in this podcast are subject to change. This podcast is based on current public information believed to be reliable, but no representation is made to accuracy or completeness. An investment in any strategy, including the strategies referenced in this podcast, involves a high degree of risk. Clients of Drawing Capital may maintain positions discussed in this podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Recap by Drawing Capital. My name is Sean Vanderwall. I'm also joined by my partners this week, Sagar Joshi and Jugal Lodaya. Today, we have some very exciting news um, in the world of cryptocurrencies to discuss El Salvador passing a law to make Bitcoin its legal tender. Um, There's been a lot of discussion about this happening and big anticipation from uh, Bitcoin followers for a long time, hoping that this would get started in emerging countries. Uh, Incredible that it's happening now on the news uh, that this happened after Bitcoin's recent drawdown, it came back up over uh, $37,000 per coin. And uh, one of our partners here, Sagar, actually joined a call in a Twitter space room with the president of El Salvador talking about the subject. So Sagar, maybe you could give us a little bit of background there. Definitely a, a cool thing to, to join and listen to, I'm sure. Sure. Yeah. Happy happy to do so here. Yeah, that was probably one of the most fascinating things uh, I attended this week. And so, uh, yeah, as, as Sean mentioned, uh, what I found particularly interesting was that the president of El Salvador was recently on an online group chat uh, via Twitter spaces. And so it's certainly not every day that a head of state has an engaging discussion about cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin use cases in such a casual public format. I mean, the the idea that um, someone uh, is taking live Q&A, having a a really healthy discussion, uh, a lot of other individuals were there. I I believe um, Jack Dorsey, CEO of Square and and Twitter was there, Uh, a lot of uh, Crypto enthusiasts were also on the call. So I, I just found this whole discussion fascinating. Uh, a couple of the key takeaways, and 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 certainly we'll have a broader discussion as well about Bitcoin, blockchain. I know we talked about this at length, both on a, on a newsletter, a webinar, and uh, a previous podcast. But a couple of uh, key takeaways that, that I'd like to mention. First, uh, the idea of adopting Bitcoin as legal tender uh, really is a big step forward for the advancement of Bitcoin uh, per, in, in El Salvador. And I guess the idea is, while El Salvador is just you know one Latin American country, if this is a forward-looking indicator for other countries adopting uh, Bitcoin or uh, some other type of crypto-related currency, that this is a huge step forward um, in, in establishing both the legitimacy and, and the ongoing uh, use cases for the currency. Uh, notably, the, pre- the president there presented the case for Bitcoin as both a job creator and a promoter of financial inclusion. Now, w- why the, the financial inclusion is super important is that often in developing countries where significant percentages of the population don't have bank accounts or don't have access to high quality financial instruments that many of us uh, enjoy here in America, then digital currencies can actually be a cheaper and more convenient method for exchanging money and both storing value compared to holding, in some cases, a very specific set of currencies with rapidly deteriorating purchasing power over time. So this really 
represents a huge step forward, uh, we feel, and, and I'm, I certainly share that opinion. Um, furthermore, uh, the president of El Salvador also announced on Wednesday that the country's state-run geothermal energy utility would begin using power derived from volcanoes for Bitcoin mining. And again, this use of geothermal energy would therefore then help reduce the carbon footprint associated with Bitcoin mining. And I, I know that's been a trending topic of discussion of late is, you know, the sustainability of Bitcoin and, you know, is uh, how does it impact uh, the environment? What are the carbon emissions associated with it? And uh, if, if you're using a coal plant to power all of the um all of the Bitcoin miners across the world, then you know that that's just actually just adding on to uh, adding on to the carbon footprint. But in reality, actually, if we can have more ways, just like you know, I think of this almost like data centers, where uh, 20, 30 years ago, possibly highly polluted, but today, um, you know, data centers they have solar panels, they have a lot of uh, these top tech companies, they have pledged uh, some type of carbon neutrality or movement toward there. Uh, in the next uh, decade ahead. And, and so what we've seen is just a, a reimagining of what, what is possible and, and really taking in, into account multiple societal goals uh, that are both in the broader picture, but also becoming intertwined. In this case, sustainability in Bitcoin, now it's okay, you're using geothermal energy or in uh, other parts of the world, it may be solar panel, it, it may be off, offshore wind, uh, whatever the case may be. Now, you're, you're, when you're combining two mega trends like climate with Bitcoin mining, that's, that's just another intertwining layer of, of why uh, there's so much importance played into this in this role. Um, I know Jugo has a lot of uh, excellent commentary on on the crypto economy and Bitcoin in general, so I'll pass the mic over to him as well. Yeah, great. I, I can actually continue right off of that point about renewable energy. I think the nice part about Bitcoin is that it's basically a game designed to make miners find the cheapest energy wherever they are. And there's really no boundaries on where they can find that energy, uh, whether you're in like literally Antarctica or Iceland or Australia, wherever you are, you can contribute to the Bitcoin network uh, and you can move wherever you want to find that cheapest energy. Uh, as long as you have an internet connection, like it's all good. So there's basically always a drive for people to maximize profit by reducing the cost of energy. And that makes them find things like, as you said, hydropower, uh, offshore wind, uh, volcano or geothermal sort of uh, power as we've seen in El Salvador, et cetera. The other interesting thing about El Salvador kind of adopting Bitcoin is that I think it's a little different from other countries in that El Salvador relies on the U.S. dollar. It doesn't really have its own currency per se. So it might be a bit longer than uh, people expect for other countries that do have their own currency to adopt something like Bitcoin. Uh, for El Salvador, they're already kind of reliant on another country's financial system. So them kind of adopting Bitcoin uh, is, I think, an easier move than a country such as Britain or India to make. Uh, the other interesting part, I think I'll just have a couple facts in my head. Uh, the first is that uh, I saw this tweet on uh, on Twitter that uh, basically any company in El Salvador is now required to adopt Bitcoin or essentially allow people to get uh, pay them in Bitcoin. So whether it's a McDonald's or uh, maybe it's Microsoft or Amazon for some sort of web service, or it's Tesla or Ford for a car. Uh, if they're doing any sort of business in El Salvador, then the law requires them to accept Bitcoin 
And so this basically is the first move for any company that's doing business there to kind of build the infrastructure to get Bitcoin payments started. And once that's in place, then it's much easier for uh, that to kind of snowball into other countries as well. So I think that's actually a very big thing, despite El Salvador being a very small country with only 6 million people in population. Uh, that little like Kindle of requiring other companies that do business there to adopt Bitcoin is, I think, pretty huge. Um, the other interesting part is that I think I, and Sagar, maybe you have more uh, information on this, but I don't really totally, I'm not totally familiar with the relationship with the uh, IMF. Uh, perhaps you know more about that, but what, what does El Salvador have to uh, talk to the IMF about because they're adopting Bitcoin? What, the, what would the IMF um, say in response? What are their concerns, uh, et cetera? Yeah, it's certainly a good question there. So with with the IMF uh, getting involvement, what really happens is that uh, the the IMF is is there to promote uh, economic growth uh, and, and, a, and a a range of other things. But what ends up happening is for IMF backed programs, if something is outside of the charter of let's say a specific IMF backed program, or if there's widening spreads in the country's bonds or a couple of other things, then what that may create issues, I think of this almost as like, uh, there is, uh, it just look at a, a standard bond market, uh, uh, like you're, you're purchasing a corporate bond, that corporate bond, um, many, or at least 10 years ago, there used to be a lot of covenants on, on those bonds, right? And so covenants are basically rules, restrictions, and, and policies where uh, the, the issuer of the bond needs to follow, and breaking one of those covenants can trigger uh, penalties or repayment or all sorts of other things as outlined um, in that uh, in that bond contract. And so, what implicitly what what it, what may happen is that if Bitcoin is you know outside or or basically anything that is outside uh, what is stipulated in the contract um, of, of these IMF related uh, programs that support uh, El Salvador and many other countries actually, uh, then it, it just raises question marks. Um, uh, now these questions can, uh, and I'm sure will will be discussed, debated, deliberated on uh, by heads of states, uh, economic officials, etc. But I, I think what it speaks to is is any anything that is uh, quote new or or innovative or kind of uh, leading edge. And in, in this case, El Salvador being literally the the, the first country uh, to adopt a legal tender here. Um, and so whenever that is happening, there's always questions, right? When when it was one of the first social networks came on, whether it was the first search engine, uh, whether it was even the first e-commerce platform that was allowed to be initiated back in 1991, uh, there, there's um, there's a whole set of things that when when they're new, it could be even tough to even find the, the, the correct bucket, if you will, to uh, put things in. But over time, the things will, will evolve um, and... And with so many changes happening and, and the deflationary force of technology uh, continuing to occur, uh, th things will need to catch up over time. Uh, Sean, I'll pass the mic back to you as well. Yeah, thanks. I just had one other side thought um, that what this will do just in general to Forex markets and the way that we think about that in relation to the global economy, if companies, which I think will start, or not companies, countries start to follow suit with El Salvador and start adopting this on a wider scale, you'll also have in transactions between companies as people look at Forex markets now and looking to take advantage of 
import exports and, and different arbitrage opportunities there, you'll inherently pull more of those people into the crypto economy, into the crypto exchanges, um, and you're just going to spread the participation that much more. And this, from the get-go, was one of those um, things where this is absolutely validated by participation to have a move, although El Salvador is not a big country, having a country adopt this as a legal tender is a major, major event. So anyone that they're doing business with now has to consider this as, uh, and this is just whispers, obviously, but other uh, you know, countries in Latin America thinking about adopting this as legal tender as well. As that continues to happen, you are just going to inherently create this demand for other people to come into the market. I think it'll cause just a lot more validation and a lot more um, benefits that will start to happen across this entire crypto network. Yep. And I think to the point again about uh, anyone that's doing business with El Salvador kind of has to adopt this. Uh, this also goes for other countries as well. I kind of think of this as how like Venmo started or PayPal or Cash App. Um, basically, one person has it and they find the UI to be so seamless or easy that they ask their friends like, hey, can you just pay me on Cash App or Venmo, uh, et cetera. And then they download it and then they tell their friends, et cetera, et cetera. And so if El Salvador sees that the, the friction involved in using Bitcoin is much less than the friction involved in US dollar or any other currency, they may recommend that to other countries and say, hey, can you just pay us in Bitcoin rather than US dollar? And then those countries will see the benefits and then their you know, uh, counterparts will also see benefits, et cetera, and then it starts growing. Uh, but this is definitely a big, huge first step. Uh, and I'm, I'm personally super excited, uh, but I do think there's just a ton more work to do to get Bitcoin uh, sort of adopted globally. It's, it, it could take anywhere from 10 to you know, 50 years. Like a, I don't think this is a very easy thing for a lot of countries to do. Um, but I'm glad that El Salvador is uh, taking the first step. And I I think that they do have a growth mindset in place. Um, and I do understand why the IMF might be skeptical about uh, adopting Bitcoin as legal tender. But I think they're also he heavily considering this adoption of Bitcoin purely because they also do believe that Bitcoin's value could go up as well, especially if this thing starts snowballing as other people start realizing they don't want to be the first, but they don't want to be the last one to adopt it. Uh, and that that could have uh, major effects on the the price and valuation of Bitcoin. Well, I mean, I think it's very similar to how we think about SaaS companies and technology companies being product product led growth. So companies selling to employees, typically lower level employees of the company, as their ad adoption grows, it grows up through the organization. Ultimately, executives decide, hey, you know what, let's just implement this platform throughout the company. I think it is the same exact strategy, the same exact implementation that you'll have with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. But instead of you know selling into companies, you're selling into countries. And I think it'll start to happen with the smaller emerging countries first, the ones that really this is solving the biggest problem for, uh, like countries in Latin America, other developing countries, maybe in Southeast Asia, uh, and things like that. But I, I think once that snowball effect starts to happen, um, the effects are going to be very, very beneficial. And I think it's just, like you said, Google, a very exciting thing uh, to watch unfold right now. Yep. And uh, I think uh, you'll also see a lot of politicians in South America um, and Latin America kind of putting those laser eyes that you see so popular on Twitter. Uh, it may not lead to um, immediate 
political impact, but it does show support for the uh, idea of Bitcoin and the support, you know, that is the first step into having something like what El Salvador did, which is adopting Bitcoin as legal tender. Yeah, I mean, my my stat may be a little off here as well, but I was reading earlier this week that of all the Bitcoin mined in the world, China is about 65% of that mining market. Pretty much everyone else, US, Western European countries is, is around 6 7%, um, somewhere around there. I mean, they are absolutely just trumping us uh, in terms of mining. And I do wonder for the rest of the world, what their ownership with a finite amount of um, Bitcoin uh, in existence will will have and what impact that will have on everyone else in terms of global trade. Yeah, I was listening to um, a couple podcasts and I think the mention there was a mention that people in China are mining the Bitcoin because it's so profitable there because they do have access to actually cheaper energy uh, than some of these other countries do, especially out in the like open lands away from the, the major, major uh, cities like uh, Shanghai and definitely away from Hong Kong. Uh, but but essentially, I, I, I think there was also a point that China is also sort of cracking down on Bitcoin mining. And you may see in, uh, people either stopping Bitcoin mining there or kind of moving to a different country. But I think, I think many people did consider or have considered or have already done move to China purely for mining Bitcoin to make a serious profit before this crackdown happened. So I think it was really just an economic sort of game theory play where it just seemed, you know, this is where I could get cheap energy to mine Bitcoin and that resulted in a higher profit. And if it's no longer sort of legal there, then I'll move away and, and go somewhere else. But uh, this is this is the best part, like I said before, it doesn't matter where you are really. I mean, you can go anywhere around the world, mine Bitcoin, just find the cheapest source of energy but also still follow the law and everything's kind of good. Great. Well, thanks everyone. We appreciate you listening this week. We hope you have a fantastic weekend and hope to talk to you again soon.